Good evening, everyone. Um, this is Abhivadan from the Bharat Pacific, and we are now, now live for another space. Uh, usually, we do spaces on international relations and geopolitics and international economics. Um, this time, we do not have our co-host Aditya with us, but we thought to begin our globalized spaces again. So, what a great topic to discuss! That is India's data protection law. The the for Digital Personal Data Protection Act. So first of all, um, those who actually read the article that I had written for Visual Legal Analytica, thank you so much for having a read. I am indebted by your comments and feedback, and I would try to do my best to contribute in technology policy discourses. All right, so to begin with the discourse and understand further about India's data protection law, the simple name is Digital Personal Data Protection Act. Now, why is this act so significant? Well, a lot can be understood by the specific purpose of this act because we all know that this act in the form of two to three versions of the digital data or the personal data protection bill have been discussed for nearly four to five years. And we all know that various stakeholders, including law firms, think tanks, civil society participants, and even citizens had their own concerns that they raised to the government of India. And while the government of India had certain understanding on, you know, coming up with a data law, because again, we are a data-driven country. We generated so much data. And we, as a democracy, as a republic, would have to have a data protection law that not only is important for our own interests, but also necessary to, you know, set a standard in at least the Indo-Pacific, that is Asia as we know it. Now, to be very fair, this act is not a groundbreaking legislation because it is not something like the best of the best of things because it can't happen. Again, uh, geoeconomics guides the way we regulate. So we have to take that into consideration. But overall, this law seems to be reasonable because this law has its own approach to take. Now, this act per se has near around, to be very fair, 44 sections, and it's a comprehensive document in terms of its substantive value. It covers basic provisions like giving rights to people whose data is being taken, like you and me, data principles, and obviously, what are the obligations of what we call a data fiduciary? Now, what could be data fiduciaries? Obviously, the government is a data fiduciary in, certain, in many cases, uh, but companies also could be data fiduciary. But obviously in this space, I would not limit the discussion to data protection issues and privacy issues because uh, that is definitely a concern, but this space will also cover about aspects of AI regulation. So let's understand how this actually functionalizes. So this act is very interesting considering the GDPR's history of four to five years or even more. Because the GDPR has certain specific restrictions, okay? Uh, like the GDPR, even this act has a lot of definitions and uh, it is very specific on certain definitions. It defines what is a person, it defines an artificial juristic person, which is something I find quite interesting to define because legally speaking, an artificial juristic person could go either ways. Either it is taken in a specific ad hoc context that you come up with a specific guideline as a part of this particular statute, or you say that fine, the role of AI systems as products or services or data processing systems may be embedded with what we call consent managers, and I will discuss consent managers. So these aspects I find very interesting. But for those who may not be aware of this particular act, I will start from the beginning. But before that, this session is live on YouTube, and we are also live on Twitter Spaces, and it is also live on LinkedIn. So people who are on Twitter Spaces, you have any questions, please feel free to ask. I will be happy to take your questions. And that is how will this session will go. I think we will last for 45 to 60 minutes. So as people join in, you can ask questions about it. So to, con to govern data in a practical sense, several countries have their approaches. I would say that they have their own blocks of approaches. So certain countries go for commercial innovation and so they decentralize their approach of regulation as well as they decentralize their way of handling, I would say, data protection concerns. 
for example the united states of america they take a very innovation centric approach even if you see uh, i mean yes there are 50 plus states in the us which have their own specific legislations on data protection but again they do not have a national overarching impact directly unless they have a, obviously a commercial impact which is to say fine if you are doing business in california and using data of people who are in california then obviously you have to govern the relevant data protection guidelines and laws of california as a state the same would apply if minnesota has it and the same would apply for north carolina and so forth if they have it i'm just giving you an example but the us government overall the federal government the state department the white house they take a different approach they take a decentralized approach and their statutory bodies such as the ftc and the sec in a relevant sense most probably it comes under the ftc not the sec so the ftc takes a regulation by enforcement approach just to say that they might have a sledgehammer approach so for example a day, some data breach happens which has a commercial impact and the market is impacted it might be treated as a competition law issue as well the data breach issue now that is the american approach and there are certain elements of that particular approach which we see in this data protection act simply because um, there have been certain issues of big tech interference and the way social media works which is why we had the it rules of 2021 and the government had taken a competition law approach most of the time because we never had a data law now we have a data law and i think maybe in a few months or weeks we will see how new guidelines come up and how obviously this act is challenged in a court of law but what i find interesting in this act is that it inspires from the american approach which is pro innovation the second approach which it inspires a little bit is obviously the european union's approach of sophistication which is to say fine you have the gdpr you have certain sidelines you have certain boundaries you have certain specificities of rights which are given to you now that's how gdpr works it's very specific and it that is exactly how it enforces and this applies to various legislations in the european union whether it is a matter between uh, the french government and netflix france on giving royalties to royalties and compensation to its own artists and this was not governed under the french law this was under the european law the european union law and there are so many legislations on media entertainment and even technology for that matter even the ai act but i'll not discuss the ai act the third approach that india definitely takes a cue from but not exactly inspired from is the chinese approach now if for example you have a business in china and you are uh, gathering data from china then it simply means that the chinese government has the data owned that's exactly what they understand when it comes to their legal aspects so when we look at china and its approach the data of the citizens of the chinese people whether in the form of metadata or secondary or tertiary form of data in any form or value as it is processed that is owned by the chinese government which also means that whatever algorithmic features which is to say the algorithms which are which are obviously inspired by the way data is processed the machine learning techniques which obviously benefit from the inputs that they receive which is the personal data in china the algorithmic methods are also under the radar of the chinese government so what happens is that we can comment that this law has come quite late in india we can say that because the puttaswami judgment came in 2017 another puttaswami judgment on aadhar came in 2018 the law should have been in by 2019 but then there were obviously many compulsions ahead covid happened and then stakeholders obviously had the issues so i'm not going on that but one thing which i find interesting is that india takes an innovation centric approach in this act a little bit opens some matters to contractual issues for example if you have a third party which is processing your data they actually would have to have a contract with you which explicitly tells you that you know what this is how i'm going to process your data and that is something which is not regulated under the act because naturally it won't be for now but that's what we understand in the previous versions it was a different case and discussing the previous versions won't suffice much right now so i would stick to the document which is in enforcement and not those which have been in enforcement not sorry not been in enforcement or like subject to negotiations and deliberations so to begin with obviously this act comes up with a with the concept of a data protection board of india 
and the data protection board is an interesting uh, authority it's a statutory body by all means um which will address matters related to data protection law which is obviously this particular act which is like for example if you have and what kind of disputes will it deal with it will not deal with public law issues it will deal with civil and commercial law issues because the data protection board and the appellate body in this case because in the appellate body in this case is the telecom dispute settlement and appellate tribunal which clearly shows that the data protection legislation itself is within the traditional ambit of telecom law that is exactly how even in international telecom law the understanding of technology governance has developed because i mean we we talk about global global data governance forums and global ai and everything but the fact is that the only multilateral body which can handle and create standards and somehow those standards can be even implemented by companies and governments is the ita international telecom union whose south asia and indo pacific office is now i think in gujarat it has been launched under the auspices of the foreign minister and the prime minister so the itu is the main organization here but again it's a telecom it's 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 within the telecom disputes tribunal so that's very interesting to look forward to now obviously um there are a lot of things in this act where uh, we see this instance that okay a lot of things are stated as prescribed by which is to say that uh, there are many things where it is mentioned that if there is a provision and it has to be uh, considered in full knowledge then there is a sense that it must be subject to a particular form of legal prescription so when the rules under this act will come in the guidelines and circulars will come under this act we will get a larger sense of clarity as to what are the specific aspects of the act which are subject to implementation in a legal sense and how will it be adjudicated in a court of law if necessary although when it comes to that it has been narrowed down to a civil issue however obviously under the civil procedure code uh, it may go to the supreme court if necessary however again there is a restriction on that which again is not necessary to know but for a basic understanding how is the dispute resolution per se happening in this case that i tried to emphasize upon now um there is a concept which is very interesting here so uh, countries have their own approaches to do things now certain countries have consent consent managers certain countries uh, rely on data uh, you know data processor and data fiduciary accordingly but what i find interesting is that the concept of consent managers is introduced in this act which is in my view quite interesting and why it is interesting is because for example you have a data protection board and the data protection board says fine xyz companies are their data fiduciaries which is to say that they will gather data from their customers clients and so on if they are gathering data they are data fiduciary but to meant to uh, to comply with the obligations of the act which is obviously the case they have the duties and responsibilities they will they will obviously need to have you know data related assessments data quality assessments and other things but at the same time they will also require to have a consent manager and the concept of a consent manager is very interesting because it's actually a you know a, a kind of a special body of, or let us say an entity because again the definition of a person in this act and that is exactly which, which we can find in section 2 of this act um, i can tell you so the definition of person is what a person includes an individual a hindu undivided family a company a firm association of persons even the indian state article 12 and every artificial jurisdiction person so this is my hypothesis again i'm not claiming that it could be true but concern management is possible via the use of ai so it's a possibility that with obviously some human agency and the use of ai concern managers could be made possible or it could be the case that the role of ai per se is separate from concern managers overall so in that case it becomes quite interesting as to how it defines its own concepts so that i found very interesting now um, i will actually talk about the rights for sure but at a very basic level 
the act definitely has a misunderstanding that consumers who are data principles as per this act although the european union's gdpr says data subject and i like that word better because it's a very direct word because a natural person under the gdpr is a data subject here it says data principle they have certain rights which is to say fine i have a particular company from whom i bought or purchased a product they have my email id my phone number and perhaps some other details if they asked me and you know what i want to i have just emailed this company and said please remove my email id i want to unsubscribe do not save my email id at all do not save my phone number do not save any identifying information pertaining to me now can a consumer as a data principle do that yes the issue is this act doesn't address the right to be forgotten in a broader way for example you have the right to erasure that is the first important right because right to privacy and all those things are embedded in this but how will the company do it i mean uh, there's no guarantee that the company will delete it and we also know the dark patterns of practices i mean the best example is people who use facebook they are well aware that whatever they look on facebook uh, on whatever they look on amazon it actually corresponds uh, stuff they watch on facebook they get ads from amazon or via amazon because the algorithms keep tracing their path across google across the social media platforms right now that is actually creating a dark pattern and this is based on obviously algorithms but it's also based on the basic understanding like how these algorithms trace your presence now that itself can be covered under the rules and i, I think we need to see how it is addressed obviously when the supreme court and the relevant high courts deal with the matter one i think that's what the government had to cover but again we can't blame the government because this act has been pending for four years and it has been pending for no reason so honestly speaking this is a good move by the government um now frankly speaking um the consent manager will handle matters related to consent and that's something which i find interesting and the data processor per se is the is a person or entity with certain obviously i would say um maybe use obviously using technology will be processing your data but while it processes your data um we are aware of the fact that there are no specific obligations for it but the obligations are imposed on the data fiduciary so obviously it's a contractual relationship which this act defines and i've discussed this in a bit even in the beginning that's something which is unique so we have to really see if the government will come up with the rules and they have to come up with but um apart from right to be forgotten the interesting uh, data protection rights which we can see are obviously the rest of the three are correcting personal data which is kind of like right to be forgotten but it's not right to be forgotten completion of personal data they will say fine you have a particular information consumer data principle you and me anyone would say you know what you have my data but you have inaccurate data you don't have the data which is reasonable enough you can just put the correct one so that your processing works efficiently that also is the right prescribed under this act uh, which also includes personal data updating now this is very basic um it's like editing your own profile details on a social media app or any app of you know like an e-commerce website so you can do that so these are the basic rights which we see in the case of the digital personal data protection act but um beyond that law let's obviously understand the duties and you know kind of a leeway which is given to data fiduciaries which are companies in this case now we know for a matter of fact that the government of india is quite focused on the role of big tech companies because obviously they have invasive practices and we have to consider this act in tandem with what's happening in the wto ministerial conferences i mean uh, we know that the commerce minister piyush goel had visited uh, the last uh, for the last world uh, wto ministerial conference and he had made his concern quite clear that uh, the moratoriums on digital products and services matter for the global south because countries including india have been beneficiaries of it and it has actually helped people to uplift themselves up out of poverty and they they are valid reasons the larger issue obviously is that as india claims this it the claim also has been made by india and south africa and it is in their joint statement uh, that can be checked in the mba website as well they say that it is the big tech companies the fang companies and i mean in certain cases you know obviously the chinese companies 
in certain countries, if not in India. Obviously, we know why, because TikTok was banned in 2020. Uh, and along with TikTok, a lot of Chinese apps were banned, consequently, even in 2021. So let us say the fan companies from United States, Ireland, European Union, the big tech companies, they have a lot of Indian data and they are using data scripting. Now, I'll give a simple example on why this act becomes so important. Obviously, India has the, the diplomatic and economic heft. We have a sense of technology sovereignty and we also have a sense of technology supremacy, which is good because as a power block, as an economic block, India has to keep that position. We are a, we are a big country, we have to do that. And it is in line with our foreign policy and it is in line with our understanding. But at a larger level, it is even good for Asia and the Indo-Pacific as a whole because uh, there are countries which do not have that economic heft as India, which do not have that capacity as India. And even in Africa and Latin America, there are countries which will share concerns with India. So even the, in that commercial sense, it's good for you know, India and other countries. But at even, even from a technology governance point of view, uh, India is like a separate block altogether when it comes to data protection and its regulatory underpinnings because the European Union has very stringent understandings. And again, while the GDPR is a good legislation in the European Union, it has loopholes and there have been issues between countries like Israel and European Union member states. Uh, there are matters between them which have been happening, for example. And even with, with the United States, for example, the Biden administration, I know it for the matter of fact, it has been reported in, even in live mint, for example, that they have had concerns with the AI Act. And what's the concern? Now, people may obviously say that, yes, it is about implementation, that you know what, you have these rights and duties and things, you have to implement them and there are certain techniques and practices to do so. The problem with that is when you try to implement these things, they're not easy to do. And second, there are a lot of commercial decisions to be taken. And then third, there's an element of corporate governance which is involved with companies, which are MSMEs, which are startups, which are unicorns, which are even big tech companies and legacy companies. Sometimes even zombie companies, how are they using it? Whether they, are they causing data breach or not? So that's definitely a very important concern which cannot be ignored. In that case, India represents a good alternative. That yes, let's agree on a common minimum standard of sorts which is not based on any economic ideology or social ideology, because again, we have to understand that with the United States, its legal understanding is based on an economic ideology, which obviously drives commercial innovation and technological innovation. In India, we have the approach with the Digital India Corporation, what we call as data for development. So we have a development centric approach and the, the geopolitical scenario is very evident that it is more about development economics which is why countries like the United States need India and even European countries like Germany and France would need India, especially in Africa and other places, even in East Asia, Far East, where Chinese influence is problematic uh, when it comes to technology cooperation and economic issues. So in that regard, this act is interesting, quite interesting. And I think in that case, I, I think we should take this act seriously because it's a basic provision and the impact will be pro proportional in much larger aspects. So that's what I find, find interesting in the sovereignty side of it. Uh, meanwhile, I have a request um, in case uh, any of you have certain questions. Uh, so those who have questions on YouTube Live, LinkedIn Live, you can place your questions in the chat. Those who have questions in the Twitter space, please uh, send your request to speak and I would be happy to take your questions. Uh, once you do that, I would be happy to then you know, I think we have only two to three people, so that won't be an issue. But I think on YouTube also, if people have questions, please put them on the comments. Now, um, the policy aspects, I've, I've discussed obviously the trade aspect, which is very interesting. And I've also discussed uh, uh, flow issues, but there's one interesting concept here, the concept of publicly available data. Now in section three, there's an exception given that certain aspects will not be covered in this act. Certain provisions will not be covered. Now, what does it mean? It means that the provisions of this act do not apply to two cases. First is that kind of personal data, which is, in, which is processed for personal or domestic purposes, which is to say, I'm sharing my photos and basic uh, text with somebody on WhatsApp, that will not be subject to this act. 
obviously because i am considering in good faith that it is being done for personal purposes that's common sense but uh, it gets interesting with the second one also where it says that the personal data that is made or caused to be made publicly available now this is a very interesting point to be made because if somebody is making their data publicly available it somehow comes into the near about aspects of public law because uh, if we look at the it act which will be replaced by the digital india act hopefully i'm yet to see the draft i'm quite excited for it and i think the presentations which are shown in bengaluru prove it that it's going to be a very interesting act it has some quite it has a quite good understanding of open internet and even high risk ai systems and many things but to be fair to the main point the concept of publicly available data simply means that if we are discussing this on twitter or instagram or youtube chat or youtube live there could be certain aspects that if we are doing it for personal purposes or we are making it publicly available then certain fine line could be made that yes certain forms of publicly available data in the form of sharing could not be governed by this act which is which is something which could come under the ambit of issues like you know civil and criminal defamation or the social media rules which is directly under public law cyber issues you know uh, manipulation issues fake news misinformation uh, that is public law per se uh, it may not it may also come under competition law if necessary when it comes to market manipulation for example before elon musk had taken over the x app or twitter as we know it we were aware of the fact and which is very interesting that several people were using you know even when elon musk made it available for payment even at that time people were misrepresenting themselves as some other american companies and they were saying our stocks have fallen or something like that and what the problem was people who had companies in the us in the us stock market they were losing money and the reputational loss the reputational risk was very high which is why for awareness purposes elon musk had to you know ask his team to add this feature that when you search a stock name a us stock us listed stock you can actually find it now obviously that's not going to happen in our case in india because our markets and our system is are actually way much way more sustainable and i would say way more stable unless something happens with our financial influences so this act kind of is very interesting for the fintech industry as well because uh, the fintech industry actually relies on a lot of touch points for gathering relevant data but we have to understand the fact that this act makes it very clear that if you have the fintech rules by the reserve bank of india and its in its and its bodies those rules will actually supersede the data protection act so that's good i mean overall that's good because uh, if that's going to happen then the data protection act's purpose is very much limited to civil and commercial matters which are strictly about data breaches data processing and so forth and if there are industry specific laws then the data protection act will not come into play otherwise it will be difficult because for a fintech company which is processing data for you know loans or any other thing per se they will be in trouble because they will have to handle both data protection laws in certain matters not in every matter it's not that they don't have to adhere with basic data protection regulations like obligations but the main fintech related regulations by the reserve bank of india they will supersede over the data protection law that is what i find interesting so i think this is a very safe approach by the government because that way you get the le- leverage that fine you at least have the situation that uh, the companies won't be affected and it would not be a steamrolled approach it will be a very reasonable and streamlined approach which is to say fine companies will have to adhere to certain obligations in a specific sense so i think that would be the way forward to go ahead with with this act and it's that's why i find this act interesting even if it is not groundbreaking it can't be groundbreaking it can't cover everything right now and there are economic and geopolitical reasons uh, we have uh, our public policy governance aspects which are very we have which have a lack of being streamlined i mean people definitely can read an amazing paper by mr sanjeev sanyal uh it's an interesting paper i think it was published by the delhi school of economics it explains you the history of indian bureaucracy and we know how our bureaucracy sometimes functions it makes some good decisions it makes certainly weird decisions in certain cases which again we can disagree or agree with but that is another discussion to be done now um, the one interesting aspect which also i find which is very obvious which a lot of people have discussed 
on linkedin twitter everywhere is um, exemptions given to startups now the exemption part is obviously uh, reasonable because uh, we are aware of the fact that um, startups will take time to uh, oblige themselves with the particular obligations so what happens is that yes there are penalties like you know which obviously have to be paid by big tech companies and relevant legacy companies which are not startups per se but if we see overall i think it's still reasonable because it at least gives gives us the leverage of fine companies who are able not able to oblige properly they at least can go ahead and you know they can at least cooperate with the government on certain aspects of compliance person now we exactly do not know how it would be streamlined further but at least there are some aspects that it would go the commercial route and then there would be sector specific aspects which would come up so if something supersedes then again exemptions could be made specifically if not then under the data protection law itself there will be specific rules coming up so that's why many people have said that it is as prescribed by law act because this is a kind of law where, where there are a lot of things are set to be prescribed still but yeah uh, that was definitely it for the some parts of the act now i have discussed about data processors and obviously that they have do not have any obligations but yeah one thing we definitely know that there's a specific clause which is mentioned in section 81 of the act which says that the data fiduciaries are required to comply with the provisions of this act irrespective of any agreement to the contrary or failure of a data principal to carry out the duties under this act this is somehow much relatable to uh, dispute resolution matters when it comes to gst law and there is a particular aspect which i would like to highlight although i am not into taxation law but i kind of found it relatable when it comes to arbitrating gst disputes which are related to contractual arrangements per se so what happens in that case is that obviously there are two parties and there are certain matters which are not arbitrable and certain matters which are arbitrable now obviously in the gst law you will not be arbitrating matters of taxation indirect taxation with the government of india as a company or let us say as a vendor right but if you have another party not the government here which is a company then obviously under gst law it would be subject to arbitration or any form of dispute resolution and most probably arbitration now what could be such disputes well a lot of disputes similarly even in the data protection law we see this trend that obviously uh, the data fiduciary the company has to oblige with certain obligations they have to agree that yes no matter what it is in the contract they have to be compliant anyhow and that is something like a very general obligation on them that whatever happens you have to stay obliged so a lot of pressure comes on the contractual part of things between data processor and data fiduciary that's what i find it so it actually means that this law is pushing itself largely into the civil and commercial law aspect of things within the bounds of the cpc 1908 which is great for now because most of the data protection and breach issues are not public law issues unless necessary and a lot of them mostly are commercial law issues so that makes sense from the government's point of view but again uh, there are issues related to the use of algorithms which is not covered in this is act and again we should not be disappointed simply because again it will take time i think they have to come up with the digital india act draft quite soon depends on maybe their electoral cycles maybe they will do it after the elections or maybe before the election so that depends but for now i think it is necessary for the government to come up with the digital india act now there was one point made by uh, a particular law expert or a lawyer uh, she said that um, the consent manager concept is quite relatable to the fintech regulation framework which is laid by the reserve bank of india now in in under rbi's rules there's something we call as account aggregators which are in the fintech regulation network and um, that's something which is a good comparison because account aggregators uh, they work in a much reasonable way and uh, i think this also explains the superseding part that yes certain aspects of fintech law 
will supersede over the data protection law so i think this is a, this is what i was trying to talk about that when it comes to exchange of data especially data related to financial transactions um, in that case account aggregators the system of it that is implemented in india is a very robust system and if uh, that is something which inspires the concept of a consent manager i think that would be interesting to look forward to now um, to conclude uh, i will now specifically discuss the ai aspects of this law and then i think you know in case there are any questions please um, on twitter on youtube on linkedin live please post your questions i would be happy to take them up so there are some aspects some hints i find the first one is data processing because the definition of processing is quite exhaustive a lot of things are defined as to what considers is considered as processing and these are very obvious things like collection recording organization structuring storage adaptation retrieval use alignment or combination indexing and so forth and so if i start speaking i think there will be a lot of them but from an interpretation point of view whenever and wherever you will naturally use artificial intelligence systems which is obvious to be done um, in many cases we have uh, third party applications and third party software or third party vendor software which will use artificial intelligence at some level if necessary or maybe it could be normal content management systems or it could be a basic issue of digital rights management drm so if it is not basic drm and cms and it is something like really using artificial intelligence basic machine learning techniques basic analytics even if basic analytics is used which is automated or not up to a particular level then i think in that case this act will take an interesting turn for data fiduciaries for companies which are getting the data and they are not processing um, i mean they are processing the data but not through them obviously right because the distinction is made very clearly that there is a data fiduciary asking a data uh, processor to process the data so the distinction is quite clear so the ai aspect also could be interpreted in this aspect the second which i find interesting i've discussed even before is the concept of a consent manager now a consent manager manages issues related to consent of data transferring per se and that is interesting because uh, the consent manager has to manage uh, how personal data of any person or any digital or data principle is actually uh, subject to any sort of management that's something which we have to understand i think um, even in the us we see this trend and this is very common i mean i think people who are in the tech industry are aware of this that consent management softwares are available using artificial intelligence that is obviously done big tech companies and all major companies will use artificial intelligence that is very obvious so in the case of india also defining an artificial juristic person is an interesting move which also could take us to the question of the role of human agency in processing data and the role of ai in processing data these two these two things are very important that is another aspect of ai involved in this act then um the definition of artificial juristic person uh, which again as i said it happens in the case of consent management uh, to to go further um i have discussed about aspects like how you can automate and provide and are there any technologies available i've discussed that in my article after this session i mean i would be happy to make it available on twitter again uh, or you can go to my profile in the highlights and you can find it but um um i think the last part uh, which i find interesting is the role of data principles now since we have the basic rights already developed under this act and we know that we all have these basic rights civil rights to be very fair and they can be enforced in the in in a civil law sense in a commercial law sense to be frank the role of artificial intelligence even becomes interesting because these are very basic rights correction updation and so forth but how are they processed and then they that's why the element of pseudonymization of data comes in which is a criticism that this act doesn't cover what is pseudonymization of data for example you have your password or your name which you have for a particular app how it is saved in a certain way that it is not accessed particularly in that way and how are you making it obligatory so that is exactly what i was trying to say in the beginning that right to be forgotten which is great i mean you have to make it enforceable in india that itself must have certain specific aspects which this act does not cover for now so we have to look forward to the rules which will actually address these kind of issues 
so these were the aspects with respect to the digital personal data protection act i tried to be as specific as possible there were certain certain other aspects which i found interesting for example um, in the generative ai report which i had written for licta i discussed on theory and i just would like to highlight that since it's a data protection related discussion and yes on twitter people if you have any questions please send your request to speak and or you can send me a chat like a reply to the space and i would be happy to take your queries um the one thing which i find interesting is that when generative ai tools are used like chat gpt and others um uh, there's a lot of um, data which is coming up right so consent while is a static concept in data protection law we see a problem that when ai applications are used directly and accuracy issues exist technologically speaking then what happens is that obviously at some point when you're prompting with these generative ai tools uh, your 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 whole consent of structure itself is affected unless you are aware exactly what are you asking for so this is an issue which has been with generative ai systems but again that could lead to hallucination and other things and that may be solved using technological means which is again based on business use cases and technical use cases so that is one theory that there if in case of issues like proprietary information is invoked for example it is said that yes whatever outputs we give as an ai system per se because we are we are a company we own this ai system our developers have made it our prompt engineers have have worked hard to ensure that it works accurately and delivers its solutions the information that it processes is proprietary per se so if it is proprietary it's an intellectual property recognition that yes you are protecting your stuff through copyright law basic common sense or you are having some licensing approach that yes you have these licensing guidelines which have stated in your terms and conditions what i'm saying is that there could be certain aspects of consent also involved because it's not a one way one way road uh, a lot of processes are actually gone in developing these ai solutions b2c use cases are the most vulnerable here business to consumer where you will see this trend that the consumers will be subject to certain kinds of responses that their prompts will go in a certain direction that they even can't realize the case it was not reasonable enough so it is kind of manufacturing consent but again it depends so this is one theory which i had which i had kind of discussed even in um, my article for vla so um, i think that's it for the data protection act i try to be as specific as possible in certain things there are certain aspects like legitimate use and uh, on legitimate use again as i said there will be certain aspects of this law which will be superseded by certain aspects like disaster management if you had used processing data for this, uh, during aspects of you know issues which are related to disaster management and obviously that will come in when it comes to medical data you can process as a data fiduciary in certain cases and then again the larger concept which comes in is obviously significant data fiduciary which is about big tech companies or those companies which have a particular turnover which we again don't know because that is not specified in the act anywhere again we have to wait for the rules once the rules comes in we come we will come to know more about it so that was the thing and uh, that's it for the act um, in case there are any queries uh, that people have please ask i'd be happy to take your questions Uh, i see that uh, for now nobody has any questions but i'll be happy to wait for 2 to 3 minutes here please if in case you have any questions feel free to ask uh, i've tried to be as concise and specific in this and uh, i've tried to be as uh, specific in you know in this discussion as possible um since it was quite a, you know a quick announcement obviously a lot might not have turned up but yeah i'll be happy if there are any questions per se uh and i would be happy to address them also so yeah mm. if there are any questions on youtube live linkedin live and even twitter spaces please ask me i'd be happy to take up your questions you can send it on your chat or you can ask the request to speak and uh, i'd be happy to take them up all right um it seems that perhaps um any questions for now but yeah um 
I certainly appreciate. Um, we would be looking forward to the questions as they come on YouTube live afterwards. Maybe certain comments would come in or certain reactions would come on Twitter. Um, uh, people can reach out to me definitely for sure on X app as Indus Think on Twitter. They can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can also reach out to me, um, I would say, via YouTube. So, okay. Um, so that would definitely be the thing. Okay, so I have got a request. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. Hi, Ajay. I have uh, taken your request. Uh, can you speak now? Okay. Okay, I'm trying again. I'm trying again. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think you can speak now. If you can. Am I audible? Yeah, yeah. You seem audible to me. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hi, uh, that was a very good exposition on the recent act that the government has passed in the parliament and now has become law. Uh, I have a, I have a very specific question with regard to the provisions that are made with respect to the data processor in case they are based outside of the geographical boundaries of the, of India. So in, in those cases, uh, how will any sort of legal cases, legal disputes be settled? All right. So first of all, to be very fair, if the data processor is outside India, then again, the obligation comes on the data fiduciaries. So what happens is that, yes, the data processor is outside India, but it is the data fiduciary which is using it, right? So what happens is that, number one, when it comes to data processing, for example, I'll give you a simple thing. In the act, and I can tell you the specific section, actually, uh, it is actually about the transboundary flow of data. Um, just a second. So what happens is that, yeah, so it is specifically very clear that when data of Indian citizens or people who are in India, when their data, and in the case, I would say Indian citizens, when their data is being processed by somebody who's outside India, Okay, that's what you're talking about. A data processor in, let us say, I don't know, South Africa or uh, Martial in France or, you know, Birmingham in United Kingdom, let's say. I'm just taking an example. And the company is in India, the data fiduciary. Then the government actually can restrict the flow of data as per the provisions of this act. But the obligations will lie on the data fiduciary and obviously the government will have to take necessary action. That says, what is obviously in this act and this is a basic provision because again there are things like they are prescribed by this law or the rules of this act and we still don't know what are the rules of this act right so i think that definitely addresses your question um if you have any other question Ajay, please feel free to ask and people who are in the chat if they have any questions please feel free, feel free to ask i'd be happy to take them Learned that this uh, is is that it doesn't have any guidelines uh, to a technology company or the or the person re responsible for developing the algorithms that processes any kind of data. There doesn't seem to be any guidelines to uh, you know what should be done and what should not be done. Uh, this is these are the things that you can do. And these are the things that you cannot do with with a particular kind of data. Because I work in medical AI, medical data is it has layers and layers of information, which, which for algorithms is useful and at the same time is also risky. Uh, you know, they can they, they can expose uh, personal uh, uh, stuff to the person using these algorithms. So the, the, this is still lacking, but I think it's also because the technology itself is uh, nascent. But what would you think uh, the government's position would be on this? So um, when it comes to such kind of uh, sensitive data, what could be understood, frankly, is that the government will have to come up with specific sector-related obligations. Uh -huh. uh, you can hear me, right? Yeah. I'm uh, just confirming. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Can you hear me now, Ajay? 
Okay. So what I'm saying is that, as far as your question was concerned, what we can see is that the government will most probably either go for a sector-specific regulation. That fine. Okay. When it comes to health data, medical data, obviously this could be a concern, and uh, there would be restrictions imposed. Okay. Uh, perhaps there must have been a glitch. But let me complete further. So when that happens, okay. Um, yeah, you're back. Yeah, just like to. Okay. Uh, okay. So I think. Okay, cool. So I think sector-specific regulations would come up, or the government would come up with a specific aspect like fine. There are certain red lines on the kind of data which is being sent. So I think the issue is obviously. what kind of personal data is also covered under this act again that needs to be clarified as well but i think that will come up with us with a, you know under a specific framework or a specific rule per se so i think that would be uh, the thing which i am considering right now all right since we do not have any questions for now i think uh, people would be uh, happy to take questions uh, afterwards and yeah after the space ends uh we'll see how this goes ahead so until then um thank you so much everyone uh, who attended this on twitter on youtube linkedin and otherwise uh, you have been a patient audience and uh, um i've been grateful uh, for your presence per se we'll do such more spaces in future and we look forward to have more such discussions until then i'll just say signing off